1: Hey folks, welcome back to The Change Physician. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Kukara, with my Amaze Balls co-host, Dr. Melissa Katie. And today we also have an amaze balls guest. This is Dr. Kelly Kasperson. Dr. Casperson is a urologist in private practice. Um, so treating all the interesting conditions. But one of the reasons that we wanted her on is Dr. Casperson also also has a fantastic podcast because called You Are Not Broken. Um, it is about a topic which is in, crucially important that we do not talk about enough in today's society, which is sex, uh, and we will get into that and more, but Dr. Casperson, it is absolutely a pleasure to have you on The Changed Physician.
2: Thanks for having me, you guys.
1: So we always ask our guests to really start off is the kind of the fundamental question here is, is, why did you go into medicine? You had a choice of things, so why did you do this?
2: Didn't we all just say we wanted to help people? Um, I... I was just a smart kid you know and uh that's kind of what smart kids did i think i'm pretty darn compassionate and empathetic um i always wanted to figure things out i read like the entire encyclopedia in my house that we had so i was always incredibly curious so it just kind of was very a natural sorting hat for me
1: yeah so did you know that early on then or was it something that you grew into either in college or thereabouts
2: my mom told me that very early on, I said I wanted to be a doctor. I don't remember that. Okay. But like when I graduated from med school, she's like, yeah, when you were seven, you said you wanted to be a doctor. And I'm like, no, okay. So I think it was, it was something it was always there. My, my six-year-old now, literally yesterday, we were talking about, you know, things she could be. And she's like, I want to be every job in the world except for yours. <laughs> So I'm like, why? And she's like, because the insides of people are gross. And I'm like, well, I think I thought that too at some point.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, you have this curiosity and kind of this early path that you're not even aware of. Did you then just track directly into it from from undergrad, then directly into medical school? And then when you're there, did you find that your thoughts about what medical school would like kind of confirm that? Or was there any challenges that you faced in that? that kind of path
2: so I took a year off between undergrad and med school because I think I hadn't really like locked it in like committed to going to med school I think I needed to work on my confidence right like I didn't know anybody who was a doctor I had no role models let alone female role models and so like the confidence of like yeah you're actually smart enough and you can get in I had to like work on that my mom again was pivotal at one point she's like just commit to doing it and do it you need to commit or it's not going to happen and I like remember that conversation in a car that really locked it in for me. So I took a year off, went to Big Sky, Montana, waitressed, made a bunch of tips. Um, So it was lovely, a lovely real life experience for me. And then I actually started out MD-PhD. Again, I grew up from a very poor family. The concept of paying for med school, and this is like a decade ago when it was cheaper than it is now, but like the concept of having to pay that much money for me when it could be free with an MD-PhD. So I did MD-PhD. Um, and then like you take biochem classes during your second year of med school, like you're literally doing PhD classes in med school, which now sounds insane to me, but I was like, that's what you do It That's how you get it free. And I was like, I don't want to be a researcher. I hate microscopes. Um, I hate writing grants. Like there was nothing about the PhD that was like really a calling for me. So I dropped out of that, just got the MD, became a urologist.
0: Hmm. Do you have to go back yeah. and pay since you dropped out of PhD? No, that's
2: the big secret. <laughs> so I am fi- I am interested in finance. I'm de- decently financially savvy, but only in hindsight was I was like, well, that was a nice way to get two years covered.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but you you, you kind of jumped into urology. I mean, you say, well, I went in and chose urology. That is historically- that was an accident. Been, well, it's a, and it's a male-dominant field historically.
2: Yeah. Started, so how did, oh, it, right the... now it's 10% female. We just hit 10% in America. Wow. Yeah. So it's very male dominated. Um I did 2 weeks, you know you do your surgery things. Mm-hmm. I did 2 weeks very early in 3rd year. Loved the urologists. They're hilarious. They're like the coolest people. They could sit down when they operated. Their surgeries were short. And like the other thing I really liked about it is the instant gratification. Mm-hmm. It's like, you have a kidney stone, it's gone. You have a bladder tumor, it's gone. And all I was seeing in like internal med and family med was like, well, try to stop smoking and let's adjust your lisinopril. And I'm like, that's not enough for me. Like I need the big highs, you know, for the day. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll just do whatever beats urology then. And so I spent third year going through it just being like, nope, 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 nope.
1: Wow. <laughs> when, so when did you do urology rotation? Like- Beginning
2: of third year because it was oh. one of my two surgery... Subspecialties. so that's
1: super interesting when did you do your anesthesia rotation melissa
0: um when did i do it yeah i uh i never i never had an anesthesia rotation and like i mean you're talking about medical school
1: yeah yeah because i because your 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 experience kind of parallels mine kelly is so i did um i did the internal medicine the first month in, in third year and i hated it And then I did surgery my second month and it was a two-week rotation anesthesia and I loved it. And so I spent the vast more of my time, like doing the same thing you did, but it was like, this isn't an, oh, this is cool, but it's not anesthesia. Oh, this is cool, but it's not anesthesia. So
0: yeah, Yeah, my, my, my anesthesia exposure is more after I did a general surgery internship that I never (laughs) pulled on doing (laughs) that. That was totally different, but no urology. I wish I had done a rotation, um, later maybe in an internship because that is one of the fields that I I would consider and looking back on it when you look back there's always like ah you know I could have seen myself doing that
2: yeah and I think I mean I had to get the again I had no role models I didn't know any doctors when I started med school I didn't now I didn't know any surgeons like surgeons to me were like old white men like (laughs) I had no literally that's all I saw right so like to get the confidence to be like I think I want to do urology. i like my then boyfriend. I was like, if I get into urology, like I'll buy you a pair of skis. It was kind of like this bet of like getting the confidence to do it. And then we broke up and he never got any skis from me, <laughs> but I matched in urology.
1: Uh, <laughs> that's s- awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome.
0: I got to say the urologists that I worked with were pretty damn cool and fun too. So I don't know if that's just a, you know, happens to be that feeling. Pr- where- uh, it's
2: pretty universal, man. Like you can't take yourself too seriously. You're just looking at genitals
1: all day long.
0: Yeah. I, I, I would have, I probably would have loved that too. But anyway, hindsight.
1: Hindsight. So you match into urology and then what happened there? Did you enjoy residency or, cause there's a lot of people that then struggle or at least in the Facebook groups, you'll see the physicians. Oh my God. You know, what did I sign up for? So, so urology doesn't suffer from that. So urology
2: is six years. That Mm -hmm. program, most programs are now five years. But I had a six year program, um, but it was, it was in Denver and you'd rather have six years in Denver than five in Detroit, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, you know, I was, I was happy with Denver. It was, it, it was my number one match, even though it was six years, um, very, it was very hard. I remember it being very, very hard uh, on call every other night for third year. Um, but it was incredible training. It gave me the gift of being able to do this as long as I want to do it. Like I, I'm actually very, very grateful, but I would say it was very, very hard.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. But I was like, and you know, I remember being like fourth or fifth year. I was like, if I quit now, like, what could I do? Right. Like I remember thinking that. Yeah. And then there was a, there was a female urologist who was in private practice. And I remember her saying like, I, she said, I sat in my car every morning and cried before I went into the hospital and I was like okay it's not that bad for me I think I'll stick it out right now like that was my like bar I was like I'm not crying every day so I'll keep going
0: (laughs) yeah you know for people that are not maybe that are not physicians listening or just maybe kind of put your own words to it you know I think about even my husband's not in the medical field and a lot of other friends aren't how would you describe why someone like that would you know, cry every morning in their car, or you'd have those moments of thoughts of like, if I quit now, like, what do you think it is that contributes to that state? I mean, I, I can give my two cents, but I'm curious how you would put it.
2: Like why we keep going when we think that? (laughs) Yeah. Like like, why why, do we think that in the first place?
0: Why is it so hard? Like, what is it that's so hard about it that puts you in that place? Or why do you think that?
2: It's just all immersive for years upon years. You know, there's no, there's no time off. There's no, like, I, the, the amount of family weddings I had to miss and, like, all that, like, you, li- I don't know how women, I know how men have babies in residency, I don't know how women have, and I didn't, and it's probably, my, I had my babies after residency, which was the right decision for me, but I'm like, it's so, there's no time for anything else, it's just the culture of it, right, and, like, when you cry in your car, you think something's wrong with you, not the system. Right? Like, again, that's part of the system being like, there's something wrong with you for crying in the car instead of like, what, what is this that we're doing to these people?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. It can be two so isolating. I was going to say, we had two. My wife's a physician. Yeah. And I, I actually will, we've talked about it. I'm like, I don't know how the hell we did this. Like, <laughs> like looking back, I'm like, I have no idea. We had one during internship and then one during um, her third year. And then, which was my ca two year so my third year of anesthesia, third year of residency second year of anesthesia but yeah yeah it, it's it's insane but you, you did say one thing that i thought was really kind of important though be, because i remember thinking this too is like you get to the point you've invested so much time and money and you go well, if i quit now what else am i going to do and i'm kind of yeah. curious i wonder how many people finish residency and that's the major issue and that may be a good thing like like We haven't gotten to your life now, but I'm assuming that you were glad that you finished your residency. Super,
2: super glad.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, it's hard and we know it's hard, but in the same token, if it was easy to quit, maybe we would have lost a lot of good docs.
2: Yeah, maybe who knows i mean i think it's the other thing is like you do one thing for so long you can't that's why you can't actually conceive that there's something else that you could do Mm -hmm. um not thinking like do you know your work ethic and how smart you are to get yourself in this situation in the first place right like of course you can do something else you're like (laughs) i have no talents and you're like actually like you're amazing for even being here
0: (laughs) yeah that's something we talk about a lot how we minimize our value because we've kind of normalized because the culture we're in is that a lot of people are like that around us (laughs) so so you don't create a discrepancy um, amongst each other as much
2: yeah Yeah. and it's the culture right the the grind culture Mm -hmm. of like you don't quit just give Mm -hmm. me more you have more work for me to do give it to me yeah and luckily you're like usually in your 20s when you do residency so like you've got stamina on your side of like when in my 40s i would be like forget you guys about it
0: it's <laughs> yeah. so funny
1: but uh, we have a, we had a couple older students in my school and one of them is a good friend of ours he was like 45 i think when he started 40 something he was so he's late 40s when he was doing his residency and he, he it was hard and then so i'm the same age now as he was in, in his residency and all i can think of is oh my god i couldn't even imagine doing overnight call like q3 q2 oh my god i yeah. would I don't know how you do that. Yeah, you know, crazy. You, so to find- you, you, you finish residency and you go out into the world. And so what were your experiences and was there any, any conflict there or did you just transition easily into, into urology and, and say,
2: hey, yeah, I'm still in my, my same job <laughs> nine years later.
1: <laughs> that's-, and, that's And we need to, so we need to highlight that for, again, people who don't know that's not common it's not
2: common (laughs) most people most people what 50 percent of people switch jobs in the first year it's it's very very high Mm -hmm. my my first job that i'm in is very different now than when i started right Mm -hmm. nine Mm -hmm. years in but uh still the first job so i I joined actually joined my chief resident he moved out here from because we were in denver and uh he moved out here he was three years ahead and he uh kept kind of calling every once in a while And I was like, I don't know, I'm I'm Pacific Northwest, north of Seattle, like I'm sure I won't like the rain. And uh, my husband's like, why don't we just go and have an adventure? And if we hate it, we'll leave. I'm married to a very logical man. And I'm like, that (laughs) That sounds great. Let's go. So here I am nine years, nine years later. (laughs) My my kids are locals. But so he left. He went to Maui. Um, We actually, me and another partner broke away from like the OG guy started our own practice hired two more urologists we now have three pas we built a building in a surgery center like it just keeps like getting bigger we're hiring our fifth urologist next year we're expanding into the county next to us like that's my day job Wow <laughs> Ah. so it, it looks nothing like when I started but uh-huh. it's still my first job
1: still your first job
0: so just just for the listeners you Monday through Friday kind of thing, some call like you do surgery a couple of days a week what what's your week look like since- four days
2: a week well a week at a time of call calls q four okay
0: yeah.
1: sounds manageable
2: yeah it's manageable,
1: it's manageable. <laughs> <laughs> well, you must be doing something right and having a good time if you're expanding and and adding new new uh yeah, new colleagues and things like yeah. that so
2: i mean the other the other amazing thing is we're still independent mm. right
1: which
2: mm-hmm. is is getting less and less every year so
1: is that because of the region that you are in no I, you're the north of seattle aren't you?
2: no we're the only independent urologists like almost left in washington state
1: wow
0: yeah so you do your own billing um in-house yep hmm. That's awesome. Amazing. And predominantly insurance space, I assume. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, there's a whole other conversation there that I was not prepared to go into. Um, but I want to focus on the primary reason, because we're obviously the Change of Physician podcast, and you have a podcast. The question is, you have the successful practice. You're super busy. You're expanding. Uh, you're doing all the business ventures. So why in the world would you do a podcast?
2: Right. Um, <laughs> I had a life-changing patient. And I was bored. Mm. So I think both those things, it kind of came together. So I was getting, I think, year seven, you know, the seven year itch, right? Like mm-hmm. year seven, you're like, am I just going to be seeing recurrent UTIs till like I decide to stop? You know, and you're like, it gets easy at some point, you know, and you're like, gah. So I was getting a little bit bored. And then I had this patient that, um, I cure bladder cancer, like, again, how gratifying. And so it was just like her five-year checkup, like she had no issue with bladder cancer anymore. We just say hi every year. And she started crying in my office, bawling crying, uh, that she happily married, didn't want to be intimate with her husband at all. And it was making her devastated. And I had no idea what to do. I like, I joke, I, the only thing I had for her was a box of Kleenex. And i was like fed this story of like we don't know much about women because women are difficult and women are complex and like we just don't know and and i started being like is that actually true is it actually true that women are so complicated we don't understand their sexual function and so i started like reading i just got some books and went to a conference and started reading and i'm like holy can we swear yeah holy shit yeah yeah <laughs> like We know tons about women's sexual health. Like we know tons about how it works. Like, but doctors don't, right? So where are people going? They're going on like, you know, they watch porn. That's a crappy education. Uh, America gives us a crappy education. Hollywood's a crappy education. And so I started having this voice in my head that was like, you need to talk, you need to talk, you need to share. Cause now I've like read all the books, right? You need to talk, you need to talk and you aren't gonna make a big enough difference seeing patients in your clinic. And furthermore, I don't really like seeing sexual dysfunction in my clinic cause it's like a 15 minute visit and like sexual health is like, okay, sit down. We're gonna, you need to know some things, right? It's all, it's a big conversation. And so I'm like, okay, well, as soon as somebody tells me I know enough, then I'll have a, I'll do a podcast. Like, but I, you know, I didn't do a fellowship in sexual health, right? So like, who am I? And I had this like lightning strike me in the bathroom and it was with a voice. And the voice is like, nobody's coming to tell you that you can do this. Nobody's coming. And I'm like, well, better learn how to podcast then. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a very cool story, right? Like of like being bored and having the right thing and being curious and then giving yourself permission to be the expert. And uh, it's been like massively successful. I'm in top of the charts. I always I joke because I like want to I, I don't want to believe that like this is actually happening. I'm like, if you want to get to the top of the charts, you know, talk about sex because it's a it's, it's a lot harder to get on the top of the charts than like entrepreneurship or something. But top of the charts internationally in the category of sexuality, like talking to producers now with big, big names behind them. Uh, I have a book coming out next year. Like, it's insane. All because I finally was like, nobody's going to tell you, you should do this. Like, Mm -hmm. stop waiting for permission. That's what we need to tell doctors. Stop waiting for permission. Do the thing.
1: And stop waiting for permission. And and you do know enough. Like the whole imposter Mm. syndrome thing, right? Because, you know, what you may not have known when you started, but you had the critical learning theory that you could go in there and actually learn, right? You knew how to learn.
2: Doctors and know that's how a, to learn. we know
1: how to learn, and that's we a skill set a lot of people don't know how to have. So
2: yeah.
1: Um, yeah, that's fantastic. So what was it like with your first episode? I like- uh,
2: was on my phone, and I bought a little mic that went into my phone. Now I'm like, look at my soundproofing, even though I, like my computer just died on you. But I put a little <laughs> mic in my phone, and I just like dictated, like, you know, this is Dr. Casperson. This is my first podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so awesome. You know what it reminds. You know when you said all this right then, it just reminded me of when your mother said, "Just commit, just, yeah. just do it." It reminded me of that moment where the light bulb went on. You just had to go to medical school and try it. Yeah. Um, so no. a similar transition.
2: Just do it. It's crazy. And you know, there's a lot of doctors reach out to me now, and they're like, a doctor who's a very good friend now. She's like, can I call you? Can I ask you? How? And I'm. she's like, how do I start a podcast? And I'm like, you just start a do podcast. Like, <laughs> like literally. She would, and I'm like, it sounds kind of like an asshole thing to say, but literally you just decide to start a podcast. That's, yeah. Like the barrier to entry now, like we're all sitting in our homes with like amazing tech. Yeah. And you couldn't like, ask you don't for need, more. You don't need a producer. You don't need, you know, a production company. It's, a, you just literally
0: start a podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Upload it in some program and it'll spew it out everywhere.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs>
0: that's so great. And then
2: all of a sudden, you're number three in Botswana, and you're like, "How does how does this happen?" <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I
1: didn't even think about that. That's that's amazing, though. You know, because you're you're not only hitting the people in the US is with with the reach of the podcast. There's people in countries that probably this may be some of the best information, high quality education that they're getting.
2: Yeah. When I when I started hitting the charts in Saudi Arabia and Egypt, like all the time I get, you know, things like people will be like, thank you so much, blah, 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 because of you, X, Y, Z. And it always just kind of keeps me going. Right. Mm -hmm. And when I started hitting the top in Egypt and Saudi Arabia, I'm like, I have to keep going. I'm getting into these countries. There are women there that need me. There are men there that need me. Like so that was that was huge. Those were big countries for me
0: yeah you know we were speaking earlier how it's kind of like people are ashamed to talk about things but you think about some of these countries out there that even a woman to speak their mind or their give a voice to themselves is you know not allowed um to be able to get this kind of information um i can only imagine this is very sought out when there's no other place or person to find that
2: yeah absolutely i mean in, in america like it's i didn't realize my privilege until i started doing this because to see women it's their seventh doctor they go to it's their fourth doctor they go to it's like they're struggling to get help and for me to realize like i can navigate the system pretty well now Mm -hmm. right like i've got friends who are surgeons and like i know how to get things done and i know how to self-advocate and Mm -hmm. i didn't really realize that until i just hear women's stories over and over and over again of like they just can't, or they don't know how to talk to their doctor. or They don't know they should get a second opinion or like, I'm just hearing the struggle more than I have ever heard the struggle because I'm now in this position to hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's
0: awesome. I just got an idea for an episode. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, yeah. if you had something, go ahead.
1: Well, I was just going to add, because what I, I, I we don't want to take too much of your time for this first episode here. And so I, there's so much more we can talk about. What I would really like to hear though, particularly for our listeners is just expanding on what are the top three takeaways beyond the ones that we already said that you really found that were unexpected when you started your podcast. Like you, yeah, you started this and you're like, I need to talk, but what were like the top three takeaways that, that you think other physicians and particularly if they're interested in a podcast need to know other than, you know, just do it.
2: Yeah, and I, I think number one is like, I didn't realize how creative podcasting is and how truly it is my creative outlet now, like from brainstorming ideas to getting it done to like, what do you want it like, it's very a creative endeavor for me. So I finally and I wouldn't say I ever had a creative endeavor. And so now when people are like, you should create something in your life and how fulfilling it is, and I'm like, oh, I get that now. It's (laughs) so fulfilling to have this creative and it doesn't have to be podcasting. It can be like creating anything, but like creating something. And to think like two years in, I've got producers talking to me about something. I I created it. It's just it didn't exist until I decided in the shower that nobody was coming to tell me to do it. Right? Like (laughs) we all have this thing inside of us, which is so cool. Another thing, because of the sex health stuff, i realizing the brain's the biggest sex organ. And so I'm like, well, I'm really good at the pelvis, but like I can give you vaginal estrogen, but if you can't change your mind about sex. So I actually went to life coach school to figure out like way more mind work on like, if you just think sex is like dirty and boring and a chore, like don't wonder why you don't have a good sex life. Right. And so it's like working on the mind. So I went to life coach school because of it. Um, I started like a third business coaching female surgeons because of the life coach school because I see the need for surgeons and burnout. So I coach them now. So it's like that podcast kind of, it just expanded your world. And the other cool thing about it for doctors to think about, which is kind of sacrilege to like, we're just taught to dedicate and give everything to our job and it's like because my everything isn't just my job anymore my job's more my job and i get to leave it and i have this world now mm-hmm. and like burn talk about burnout prevention cuz my job used to be everything mm-hmm. and now it's like what i love urology i'm going to keep doing it i'm actually going to keep doing it probably longer because i learned coaching and burnout and i have these other things and now it's just this one little piece of my life and it like i think saying that to doctors they're like it should be your everything and it's like don't wonder why you're burnt out then because you're asking everything of your job yeah yeah so yeah that's like my nutshell of like podcasting did that to me
0: mm-hmm. i i love that last thing you just said about just the whole burnout prevention i think there's just this um sense that your um if you put all your eggs in one basket i hate to use that phrase but there's a higher chance, not just of the burnout, but just this, if something happens where you cannot do that particular job, it could be an injury, it could be whatever it is. Suddenly you've lost your entire identity and you've just created this magnificent type of bouquet, so to speak. Where you have all these different flowers to pick from that are going to can bloom in different ways, at different seasons, depending on what you want to do, where you want to put your time. And I think it's just, it's a beautiful way to say that this can open up so many doors and can make your life so so much more fulfilling and the fact that you have such an impact and a spread throughout the globe um that's gotta like you said it kind of helps solidify that purpose and meaning for you so i'm really I'm really glad you brought that up. I think people Thanks. should yeah that. that's
2: exactly right, that's exactly right,
1: yeah. All right. Well, while we wind this episode down, Kelly, if there's a specific place that the listeners can learn more about you, where would you like them to go?
2: On Instagram, I'm Kelly Casperson MD. My website's KellyCaspersonMD.com, and my podcast is You Are Not Broken.
1: Awesome. Love it, and Melissa. Do you want to take us out?
0: Sure. Well, thank you, Kelly, for joining us today on the Change Physician Podcast. You are the epitome of a change physician, but yet still doing your primary J-O-B and loving everything that you're doing in conjunction with it. So thank you for joining us. And for those of you listening, thank you for joining the Change Physician Podcast. I'm Melissa Katie, the challenge doctor with my co-host, Dr. Kevin Kakaro. And if you don't know what the Change Physician is all about, you can go to thechangephysician.com and join the community there, whether you're a physician or a physician ally you can check out our podcast in all the venues. Of course, you can see the video on YouTube. We also have an Instagram page to find out when things are upcoming. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Take care. Stay well, Thank folks. you for joining us today on the Change Physician podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please let us know by going to thechangephysician.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out the free book giveaways, guides, and other physician resources available to you simply by joining the community at thechangephysician.com.